Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. the show and we have another tough topic here today uh, that topic of course is abortion and the uh, what's happening with my sound bed there I'm not quite sure um, but what's happening with the situation with abortion is very newsworthy to say the least this week um, we have been kind of keeping track of some of the uh, situations for example a couple of weeks ago I think it was maybe a month where there was a 33-year-old woman in Indiana who used uh, uh, pills that she got in, in Europe, I believe, and uh, she used that to, uh, she took those pills and uh, caused an abortion, and uh, she was just sentenced to 20 years in prison for feticide and neglect of a baby. Um, Unfortunately, that's not the only story out there. And, of course, this week we heard about a 23-year-old woman in Georgia who was jailed. She was charged with murder, malice murder, which is not a particular charge that I'm familiar with. Um, And um, she was actually in jail for three days before they decided to dismiss that that charge. But they are still going to pursue her for um, uh, taking a dangerous drug without a prescription. And what she did is she also took a pill uh, to induce abortion. And um, two questions about this. One is, what the heck is happening with this jailing and charging women? Second thing is, what is the pill? Whenever we talk about abortion in the past, we've usually talked about a surgical procedure. So with us, we have two women who are very knowledgeable in this area. One of them, Monica, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having Monica, me. Monica, are you there? Okay, great. great. Uh, Monica, yeah, I'm going to let you introduce yourself since in the promotion for the show I, I kind of misspoke about your organization, Sister Song. So, Monica, tell us uh, who you are. Monica Simpson, and you are with Sister Song. Could you tell me a little bit more about Sister Song? Sure. Thank you so much again for having me. And so Sister Song is a national organization. We are based in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, And so we call ourselves a national organization with a southern flair. Um, And I'm born and raised in the south, and so it really is an honor to be able to do work based in the south but with a national presence. And so Sister Song was started in 1997 um, by women of color, to do work that we call reproductive justice, which is a bit different from doing work um, around reproductive health and rights. Reproductive justice is more about movement building. It's more about access versus, um, you know, trying to secure our rights, which we definitely feel is an incredible part of our work. But it's about making sure that the most marginalized are centered. Um, And we do this work from a more intersectional um, platform. So we've been doing the work since 97. It's been led by women of color, the most marginalized, Um, in this country as it pertains to reproductive health and rights, Um, and we are honored to continue to do the work. Great. Thank you for joining us, Monica. Monica, um, And uh, next we go to Beverly Winnicott, Dr. Winnicott. Thank you for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, and you are with, and I hope I'm saying this right, Ginicity? Genuity. Genuity. I knew Mm -hmm. I was going to screw that up. Um, and could you tell us, please, a little bit about uh, Genuity? Sure. We are a research and technical assist- assistance organization. We work on women's reproductive health in the U.S. and globally. Um, and um, a lot of our attention is spent on um, the use of drugs for abortion. Okay. I have so many questions about this. When I read this article, I mean, just I, I just 
all of these questions popped into my mind. The first question that I have uh, after talking with you, Monica, is was this 23-year-old woman a woman of color? Yes, she is. She's a black woman. Okay. Do you think that that precipitated some of the issues that she had with being arrested this week, or do you think that those issues were coincidental? No, absolutely. I think it plays a huge role in why she was targeted and why she was prosecuted for this issue. And we're seeing this across the country, that women of color, black women in particular, but definitely women of color in general, are being targeted and over-policed and over-criminalized for their reproductive decision-making. We're seeing that with Pervy Patel in Indiana. We're seeing this here with Ms. Jones in Atlanta. Um, we've seen this historically, right? Um, I mean, this is just an issue that is continue, continuing to just, um, get out of control. Even in Tennessee, they're criminalizing women who are battling substance abuse as opposed to providing services, right? So we're moving from this place of service and access and, and to a place of prosecution. And for us, that's absolutely um, inhumane. We're a human rights organization as well. And so this is definitely a violation of human rights. Um, and when you add to this um, issue, the, the, the issue of race in this country, then it just gets it, it just blows up even more, right? And so we're seeing women of color being targeted more for these issues um, more than we're seeing white women, and it's just absolutely obscene. Okay. Uh, one of the questions that also came to my mind, Beverly, is it okay if I call you Beverly, or do you sure. want me to address you? Sure, absolutely. No, no. Oh, okay, great. Um, one of the things that uh, came to my mind was medical abortion. Huh. How come whenever I've heard about abortion, it's been a surgical procedure, an invasive, expensive, and risky procedure. Well, why first, do we, let, I mean, we can, we can take a pill? I mean, how comes, you know, wow, when did this happen? Okay, but let's first correct one thing. Surgical abortion is not okay. a risky procedure. It's a very... Well, I meant and, and risky okay. as far as any kind of invasive procedure is, has, right, carries a certain amount of risk. Right, more safe than yeah. most, and we shouldn't It's safer be, than giving birth, isn't it? It's much safer than giving birth. Um, yeah. at, at, at any stage. And early abortion is way safer than giving birth. So I think people, I, one of the ways of demonizing abortion is to say that, it, and, and, and particularly in this argument, gets into the issue of why could a woman do it herself if it's so dangerous? And the answer, one of the answers is that it's not particularly dangerous. So Okay, but it is painful. And uncomfortable. Oh well, um, yes. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that women would should like to have surgery. The point is that yeah. medical abortion has been in the U.S. for 15 years. It's been available, and it's been growing as a method. Um, and now, about a quarter of all abortions are being done with pills. I mean, a quarter of the ones that are done in clinics and doctors' offices are being done with pills. And um, I think more than a third of those who are eligible are using the um, medical. Regimen, and that's because the, it's only used up to nine or ten weeks of pregnancy. So any abortions later than that aren't eligible to be to be done in our current the way that abortion is provided in the healthcare system. They're not eligible to be done with pills, um, although women themselves have actually done them with pills sometimes. But the point is that a third well, of all the ones. Go, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, and in fact, that's one of the problems that this woman in Georgia is facing is because she bought these pills online, and she was about five months pregnant. Right. And she took the pills, and uh, it induced labor. She delivered a non-viable fetus. I don't know whether the fetus died shortly after birth or, or during birth or whatever, but anyway, the, the the fetus was not viable, and she did she went on her way to the hospital. Uh-huh. So I'm assuming that maybe she had uh, more discomfort than she was prepared for or whatever. Anyway, she headed for a hospital, and she did uh, deliver a fetus on the way to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So when you say that these pills are really um, um, only uh, acceptably used... No, it's not acceptably. We... It's just what they are. I'm just telling you about what's happening. They can be. They actually okay. are effective at any point in pregnancy, but in the U.S., ah. well, in the U.S., medical care systems are offering it to women up to about 10 weeks of pregnancy as an outpatient procedure. Later on, people end up with inpatient procedures because it's it's a bigger deal. But the yeah. the problem the problem here is that women 
are increasingly faced with restrictions to being able to get abortion, and abortion is more and more stigmatized, and consequently um, there may be, I don't know if we have data on this, but there may be more women seeking these abortions that they can do for themselves without having to try to work through the more and more difficult process of getting a later-term abortion in the United States because states have so many restrictions. Now, Georgia actually doesn't have that many. But um, if, you, you know, if you're in Texas, it's really hard to get, get an abortion now. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and the other thing that adding into this, it, not only has it got to do with the relationship between minority communities and policing, but it also has to do with the fact that abortion itself is becoming more and more used among low-income women and less and less common among more wealthy women. So again, it's the the number of the women who need abortion are more and more likely to be low-income minority women. And so, wow, the base of abortion. I was not aware of that. Well, I would like to interject in this moment because I think that when we make statements like that, um, that it really puts out a perception to the larger community that that we as women of color who do this work around reproductive justice that we really try to push back on. At the end of the day, abortion an abortion is a health is, is a health care issue. It is something that is a part of our reproductive health as women and no matter whether you're women of color, whether you're, you know, wh- however you identify in the world, like it is a, a, something that should be available to you if you so need and it should be affordable, it should be safe and you should have access to that. Absolutely. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah, no one so disagrees just, with you, but yeah. I'm just talking about the data from the US and this is a problem, and it's not. I don't think it's it's meant to to in any way say anything about women who need abortion. The problem is that if a per, if more and if if more and more women are finding it difficult to get abortions, and the women who are getting abortions are more and more low income women, then it's likely that a lot of the women who get caught in this trap are going to be low-income and minority women. And that's the problem, because the face of this problem is, 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 a, is a difficult situation, because now it looks like it's only those women who are quote-unquote misbehaving, but it's not. It's all women who need abortions. The problem... Mm-hmm. So that's all I'm trying to say. Not that, not that it isn't a problem for all women, but it's exacerbated, because more more a higher and higher percentage of all the abortions in the United States are among poorer women. And this is a huge problem. Yeah, I would frame it as an economic issue too. And yeah, I agree with you. This is you a huge point. problem. Yeah, and I think here well, in Georgia, abortion accessibility has always been an economic issue. I mean, even back in the 70s, if you had money and resources, you could go to a country where abortion was legal. So it's yes. uh, abortion problems yes. have always been economically related, I, I believe, in my opinion. Um, it's and it true, but what I think there was a period of time when it was somewhat mitigated because it was, there was less of a war against abortion. And now that yeah. it's become harder, that whole economics problem is resurfacing in a very strong way. And it's, it's just, to, just to review, obviously, you know, we fought this battle 40 years ago for women to have the right to abortion. The Supreme Court says women have the right to abortion. However, the problems come in because states, individual states, can place limits on abortion. They can limit where they are performed, who can perform them, and at what stages of pregnancy it can be performed. And therein lies the problem for women like our friend in Georgia or uh, our friend in Indiana. These individual states putting restrictions and limits on their right to abortion um, is when the law becomes. But let's turn it around. Itself. Let's turn it around. That's true, but it's true and let's turn it around a little bit because a lot okay. of what's happening to these women has not to do with the state's restrictions on abortion, but it has to do with the ideas of legitimate policing of women's bodies. In other words, yeah. abortion is legal. And whether to arrest this woman or not is discretionary for the DA or whoever is bringing charges. And the problem is that the DAs are feeling that they can do that because of the whole environment being so anti-woman and so anti-abortion. And the fact is that these women do not have to be charged. 
they are they are they're turning Absolutely. themselves into pretzels <laughs> in order to charge them. There's no reason to charge a woman for doing this. Well, and in fact, you know, the little woman in Georgia was. Uh, there were questions even by anti-abortion groups as to why she she was arrested and charged. Um, now they did, as I said, after three days, drop the charge. But this is just one women, woman. There are women all over the place that are running up against this. We have a caller, and I want to jump to that, Monica and Beverly, if we could. Caller, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you? Hi, Heather. I'm fine. Is this Rita? It is. Oh, thank you so much for joining us, Rita. Rita is founder and editor of Women's E-News, which is a marvelous publication, uh, not only uh, interesting and comprehensive, but very well done. And if you're not familiar with Women's E-News, I encourage you to find it and and bookmark it. Um, Rita, very uh, uh, Monica and and Beverly, Rita sent me an article that was in Women's E-News written by a woman who was arrested in the early 1970s, and she was charged with practicing medicine without a license. She went through a big, miserable time, and eventually the charges were dismissed, but it was surrounding this whole issue of self-care, self-help, doing for yourself. And that's a topic uh, uh, that that we have mentioned so far in our discussion, Monica and Beverly, is this idea that is part of this um, campaign against abortion because women are figuring out how to do it for themselves. Rita, what do you have have to add to our discussion? Well, I, I think um, what the author of this piece pointed out was um, that she was part of a group called the Janes. And they were there to support each other. And they were performing medical um, abortions, if that's the right term, Um, you know, using um, medical instruments. Nowadays, Women's E-News deliberately put on its website and on its homepage instructions how to use uh, the quote-unquote abortion pill and uh, without contacting a doctor by getting it via prescription. The idea that this author presents is reproductive sovereignty, hmm. not reproductive rights or reproductive justice, but sovereignty, i.e. it is our body. And when this uh, author visited our uh, our office, she said she wished that she had thought of that expression in the 70s. But that really is the issue. So we have the instructions on our homepage how to use the pill to accomplish an abortion uh, by buying the pills over the Internet. But we also warned women that there would be legal consequences and until women come together and support the right to do this, as well as this uh, instruction, video instruction says, please have a support group. Monica, do you want to jump in here? How do you feel about that? Um, yes, I've definitely known about Women's E-News and the work that they're doing to, you know, support women to make their own decisions about their bodies. Um, and, you know, reproductive sovereignty, body sovereignty, self-determination, like those terms are, you know, words that are deeply embedded, you know, in how we do our work in reproductive justice, especially as women of color across the country, right? Um, and what I, I – so although I think it's very radical, I think it's very thoughtful, I, I'm – 100% down for anybody, you know, using their self-determination, right? Um, I think that what makes this um, difficult, you know, especially for women of color in this country, is that more times than not, and we're seeing this with Pervy Patel, we're seeing this with Miss Jones, we're seeing this all across the country, that, you know, a white woman can take that pill, she can go in and she can go into a doctor's office, let's say that she has to, you know, pass, you know, a 
and she'll go in and it'll be a miscarriage. She'll go in and she'll be like, oh, you had a complication with birth, and the social worker won't get called on her, right? But what we're seeing with yep. women of color in this country is that when they go in and they're saying, I've had complications, I'm hemorrhaging, something is happening with my birthing process, right, and automatically social workers are called in, questions are being asked, women are put in the corners, fear seeps in, and then we have a criminal case, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is one of those issues that we have to be so um, intentional about, right? Because, and, and to say that, you know, on, so to say, yes, there could be legal ramifications without having a racial justice lens, so that could be, you know, um, something that we could like have further discussion around because it's not just about saying, oh, there could be um, legal charges because at the end of the day, what we're seeing is more than likely if you're a woman of color and you go into a doctor's office with this issue, you are going to be charged or you're going to be harassed at least. And we need to have um, measures in place and for women to understand like how to also deal with that. So it's a very sensitive subject because on one hand it is very radical and it is very necessary. And we're seeing all across the country that women of color in particular, right, have been leading this charge around their self-determination, right, and their body sovereignty. And that's why women can, you know, call Canada and, and go online to these different countries and get these pills because across the world this is something that is, you know, this is kind of normal, right? Like this is something that women have access to. So, we have to just be very intentional. That's kind of where I want to land with it. But at the same time, to know that there is another opportunity, another um, another way, right, for us to make our own reproductive decisions is also very um, liberating at the same time. Yeah. yeah that, uh, Beverly, do you have, uh, can you address uh, Rita's comments? Which part? Uh, I mean, she <laughs> said a lot of different things. I, I think... Um, uh, you know, I think that this this is a revolutionary technology, and it is true that um, it can it can be used outside of doctors' surveillance, and for the most part, it works great. And so, as long as women are willing to do that, it seems to me they should be allowed to. Um, we have a kind of healthcare structure that actually could serve as a backup if a woman. And the occasional woman needs any additional help if she tries to do this herself. But rather than being caring and kind to women and, and helping them if they're having a medical problem, somehow or other it's okay for people to make it a police case and put women in jail. And that doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, what I say to people is, look, if if I amputation is a legal operation in the U.S., as is abortion, if I cut off my finger myself at home because I want to, I'm stupid. I'm crazy, whatever. But nobody's going to put me in jail for doing that. Why are we putting women in jail for doing something that's legal, but they're doing it themselves? That's really the essence of it. And it's completely, it's completely uh, impossible to understand why this makes sense. We don't want to put women in jail. Many of women who have abortions are mothers of young children. They need their mothers. Putting them in jail even for three days is a bad thing. So I, I, I'm, I'm astounded that there, are, that there are legal entities in this country that are willing to put women in jail for doing something that's essentially legal, which is abortion, and, but doing it by themselves. And that's, to me, I'm a kind of crazy. I'm not at all. <laughs> Well, I know, but I'm not going to sound at all because we live in a racist world. Like, you and know, and I think that, well, racist, sexist, hello, you know, I mean, that, well, that's racist, a double whammy. Racist, all that. Patriarchal, yeah. we're Rita, crazy. Um, Rita, do you uh, tend to agree that, I mean, you brought up the point that this really isn't an abortion issue as such. This is a sovereignty issue. Do women have the right to do what they want with their bodies as long as it's not illegal? Well, uh, obviously, I would argue very strongly, yes. I guess I would say, what's up with it being illegal in any context, right? And I would uh, support the position that any uh, law or regulation will, it absolutely will, be misused by police to harass or otherwise intimidate or prosecute 
in this case, women of color, but people of color. It's just a reality. It's just what our heritage and our current state of affairs are. One of the issues, I and I know, Heather, that you know I'm very concerned, is the maternal health of women of color. Rather than the nation paying attention to the fact that African-American women die more often given, giving birth rather than uh, more often than white women, that there's this focus on the access to abortion and no focus on the health of African-American women who are giving birth and pay the ultimate price. So to me, that's what reproductive justice means. You have access to abortion, you have access to contraception, and you have access to excellent care if you uh, if your pregnancy goes forward. That's absolutely right. I just want to just interject here really quick because um, okay, Monica, we are actually... Go ahead. Oh, thank you. I'm so sorry. I heard a little bit of feedback, and I apologize for that. But um, I... Um, you're so right on, um, Rita, about the maternal mortality rates in this country. In this, the state of Georgia has the highest maternal mortality rates in the country. And we worked with the Center for Reproductive Rights last year to do a report that we actually took to Geneva to raise this as an international human rights issue. Um, so the report is called Reproductive Injustice, um, Racial and Gender Discrimination in the U.S. Um, you all can definitely get that. It's available online. But we really outlined the fact that black women are dying at a rate four times higher than white women, right? Um, and this is a matter of reproductive justice. Um, and I, I think, again, Rita, you're just absolutely right for us to put so much emphasis and concentrate on the fact that women are, you know, using their human right to end their pregnancies if they so choose, whatever reasons those are, right? That, But we're not putting the same emphasis or that emphasis is not even going to the fact that black women are losing their lives in childbirth. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and that's that's part of the work that we do at Sister Song, really trying to hold that balance um, around advocating, you know, for abortions and what we need around that, but also lifting up these other huge issues. And, and to go back to access in Georgia, like where Ms. Jones was based, like she was so far away from the nearest clinic to even have an abortion, right? Let's just talk about that. And then, you know, in the state of Georgia, like when we also talk about access, like, we're in the South, which overwhelmingly did not expand Medicaid, which is not offering more services for the most marginalized communities in our state, right, to have access to health care, to have access to contraception, to get what they need for themselves. So this is just a an issue that has so many different entry points and so many points that we have to discuss, right, before she could even get to the place of saying, well, my I can, you know, go online to get this method to take care of the issue I need to take. So it's just, it's huge. And when we, the South is just, it's such a hard place, y'all. And I know you know this. I know all of you know this. But it's such a hard place for women in this country, and, and especially for women of color. It's, in, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Rita, thank you so much. Did you have anything else you wanted to jump in and add to our conversation? Well, I would I would just uh, support 100% of what was just said. And also, um, Women's Z News is working on a special project about the maternal mortality rate in Georgia. It is simply shameful. And um, so I, th- well, I think we're running our first story next week. I so appreciate the work of Sister Song. Good, good. Good. Thank, thank you, you so thank much you for so joining much. us, Rita. Always, always a gift to have you here. So thank you, Rita. Um, one of the things that Rita said that really resonated with me, and, and actually you guys have both been saying that as well, is that you know this policing of women's bodies and, and the whole idea of body sovereignty is part of this issue the fact that these women, uh, you know, our, our woman that we talked about in Indiana, who is also a woman of color, the woman in Georgia, who is also a woman of color, so we can't disregard that factor. But I think we also need to look at the idea that both of these women got in trouble because they did it themselves. They got the pills and they did it. Is that, you know, a, a, a huge factor in this issue, do you think, Beverly? And could you tell us, yeah. you know, I, I can you tell us more about 
the um the 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 pill you know these women both got it online mm-hmm. where is it a prescription pill how do we get this and and is it actually an illegal drug as such that's a lot to ask you Beverly. No, well, just so just first First of all, no, it's not an illegal drug. It's a drug that's dispensed by abortion clinics and doctors for other purposes as well. Um, and when we're talking about is misoprostol, which is sold in the U.S. as Cytotec. Um, and um, actually, the, the, the abo- if you go to get an abortion at a clinic that offers abortion with pills, you will get an abortion that has two kinds of pills. One is called mifepristone, or you, people used to call it RU486, which is what it was known as in France. Um, and it's used first, and then a day or two later, people take a second set of pills, which are misoprostol or Cytotec. Um, and that's the official regimen that doctors use, and it works extremely well. It's about 99% effective. Um, and um, the fact is that mifepristone is only delivered directly to doctors by the distributor. So that pill never appears in pharmacies and is not used for other things. The other pill, misoprostol, which works about 85% of the time, even if you don't use the mifepristone, so very effective, not, not quite as effective alone, that pill is a regular prescription item. It's like penicillin. So any doctor can prescribe it. You don't need a special license to prescribe it. It's carried by pharmacies. Um, it can be used for other things, so there are many reasons why a doctor might prescribe it, not just abortion. So that's the pill that people tend to use mostly in the U.S., which they get may get by Internet. They may get it from a friend. They may get it from a doctor. Um, the women who get arrested tend to be the ones who are getting it in the mail or by, from friends. It's the same pill that doctors are giving people. So, um, uh, is there any restriction on when the doctors can give the pill? Uh, both of no, these women were in. Do, uh, there's no. So well, if a woman walks in, she's seven and a half months pregnant. A doctor can still give her that prescription and ah, still not. Well, yeah, in theory, I guess, but no. States have restrictions on abortion after 24 weeks in some places. So, and most of those abortions are done in hospitals. So. Hospitals won't do them after 24 weeks, so in that sense, um, it, it, there there are that that's not common practice. But there aren't restrictions before 24 weeks in a lot of states. So in theory, some of these women who have been arrested had pregnancies that were within that 24 weeks, which could have been done in a hospital with misoprostol, but they've done it themselves alone. And I don't think we've ever been in the business of punishing patients for either going to a doctor, not going to a doctor, or um, deciding that when they should go to a doctor and when they want to self-treat. So, you know, it's, it's well, an interesting... Well, apparently we are in that business now, at least Now, in that's yeah. what I'm saying. But, I mean, for other conditions, I mean, if you have a sore throat and you sure. decide to go to a doctor, that's one thing. If you decide not to and take aspirin, that's another thing. People People do things to maintain their health or to treat symptoms, all the time. Sometimes they're advisable medically. Sometimes they're not advisable medically. But we don't put people in jail for doing it. And so yeah. that's why I think this is so out of the box. It's just so outrageous. And it's so stupid because it actually doesn't help anybody. The woman's already done what she did. Putting her in jail yeah. only harms her, her family, her children. It, 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 it makes absolutely no sense as public Well, and policy. it's not cheap prosecute someone. It's not no. cheap to put people in jail. Um, so it costs society dollars and cents as well. It costs, uh, Monica, in, bigger, term, it costs in bigger terms when you hurt families. You know? It yeah. costs in the, the lives of those children and their behavior and their prospects for the future. So it has long-term effects. And it's, it's just self-defeating as a society to do that to women. Monica, yeah. do you agree? Okay. I right. do. I absolutely um, agree. I think it makes perfect sense. Okay, great. We have another caller. Uh, let me go to the phone here. Hello, caller. Are you there? Caller, are you there? Well, I guess they hung up. Um, the um, the issues that I'm seeing, and both of you are, are really helping me get 
you know, pare back this issue. Because I think when we read about things like what happened to this woman in Georgia or what happened to the woman in Indiana, it, it's so overwhelming to think that these things can happen. And you, and you start to look at the components. Okay, did it have something to do with the fact that they, they were pills rather than a surgical procedure? Did it have something to do with the fact that they both of these women were further along in their pregnancies? Did it have something to do with the fact... And, and what, we're, what I'm getting out of this conversation is that, um, you know, this whole idea of what Rita brought up, of body sovereignty, and the fact that um, women doing it for themselves that that's really resonating with me. Um, the idea that women's bodies are something that they can take care of and that they can, um, um, uh, you know, that, that that is theirs and theirs alone, um, is that something that's creating this panic more so than the actual fact of abortion? Maybe I'm getting a little too stretched out here. Um, no, but I think you're hitting on something. No, no. <laughs> What I do, this is, so what I think is important to recognize in this conversation as well is that this issue around abortion is a highly charged political issue, right? Um, it has right. its moral end. It it has been used as a wedge, you know, um, in communities of color, across all communities, right? And so when we also look at this issue as a political issue and as we're stepping into a highly charged you know, political season in 2016, yeah. like, I, we have to also remember that the opponents, the other side, we can say Democrat versus Republican, we can say all these different ways that we want to split the parties up, but at the end of the day, this is a huge political issue. And they know that women, and in particular women of color, change elections. Our votes change elections. Actually, I think it was the Center for Reproduction, Center for American Progress did a study um, on the, the, the 2008 election and how, and the 2000, yeah, 2008 election and 2012, and how it was women of color that actually got President Obama into office, right? When we looked at like the whole grand scheme of things, and so women of color, young women, you know, unmarried women, like these demographics are what they are calling the rising electorate, right? And they have a lot of political power. So if you can put you know, barriers up that really restrict them, right, um, from being able to use that political power, you best believe that the opposition is going to do whatever they need to do. And so I think this is why we are seeing so many um, crazy pieces of legislation, so many the over-criminalization, over-policing of women of color in this country, because they know, right, that it's this block that's really – shaping, like, the political landscape, right, of this country, and that we have to remember that that's a huge piece of this. <laughs> we got to. Yeah. Well, and I think it's it's important for us to remember that this discussion, although we are certainly centering our discussion around a, a woman here or a woman there, this is not a single woman or a single incident. This is a, 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 a this issue is a moral issue, it's a political issue, it's an economic issue, it's a gender issue, um, and, a, and a, 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 an ethnicity issue. Um, you know, the, the whole idea of coming after women for doing something like this is astounding to me. And I have not, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a kid, but I really haven't seen this to this extent before. Um, Beverly, have, is this something that you have seen before? Well, I think that the problem, if you want to call it that, is that we actually have a situation in which it makes sense, actually logical, reasonable sense for women to be doing this themselves. We didn't have that before. Women who did it themselves were taking big risks physically of, 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 yeah. of dying, and now they're not. And now and we have an effective drug that has very few side effects, that's very good at this, that if you use it by yourself, you're likely to have the outcome you want and not have a problem. Where women get in trouble is they panic, and they go somewhere and they, and they, and they tell people what they've done. But, you know, I mean, that plus the disposal of fetal remains if they are further along. But if a woman does this at seven, eight, nine weeks of pregnancy... There are no fetal remains. There, There is n nothing to show that she's done anything. And so those people, I think it's happening too, but they're just rarely 
rarely uh, arrested because they they are not experiencing labor and delivery basically, and the people who do it later on are not prepared for what they've induced, and so they panic. Um, because so basically, I have a feeling if you're five or, or seven on. months pregnant, you're inducing labor, right? Right, or even five months pregnant. This is not something that's easy yeah. to get out. But you know, the other when you do it early in the first two three months, it's more like a heavy period. And yeah. nobody knows, and I think people don't panic. So I think there may be more going on than we know. Um, what we should be having is some system in which women can get in information, instructions of what to do, and, and know when it's reasonable to do it by themselves, and, and the drugs should be available to them. That's my belief. Um, so we should go back to what the the article the the author uh, who wrote the article for Women's E News was doing in the seventies. Have a support group where they can discuss and they can talk about what to expect. And um, yeah, but uh, I, you know, it can be actually formal medical information. I mean, it can be you you could buy the pills in a pharmacy, and there would be instructions, and there would be a help number to call, or or your your local emergency room would help you if you had a problem. I mean, there's no reason we couldn't do that. Is there a, any big contraindications for this drug? Something, for for example, uh, something relatively common. Uh, you know, I mean, no, would it be there's contraindicated for a woman common. with diabetes or something no, like that? No, no, it's all huh. it's things like you shouldn't do it if you have an IUD in place. You shouldn't do it if you are being treated with blood thinners. You shouldn't do it if you have uh, if you've had um, a history of um, family history of certain very rare liver disease. But they're all things that only the woman would know. In other words, in order in in order for the doctor to know there's a contraindication, the woman has to tell the doctor. So yeah, the only other know. thing, yeah. the only the only thing that people um, clinicians think about is the the possibility of ectopic pregnancy. And so, then, you know, if a woman were doing it herself, there need to be warnings about what to look for. If the pain and bleeding don't stop, if she has one-sided pain, if she has weakness and things, she should go get medical help because she might have an ectopic pregnancy. But yeah. but beside, and that's very uncommon um, in in abortion seekers anyway. It's um, less than half a percent, and usually it's caught later anyway. And so I think it could be managed. But other than that, there are very few contraindications, interestingly enough. You could really imagine a whole different way of dealing with this drug, but we haven't imagined that yet. Or maybe some people have imagined it, but nobody is actually... Um, seriously proposed changing how we view these drugs in society. There's one other issue that came to my mind uh, in in reviewing this information, and that is why is it so punitive? I mean, we talked at the beginning, uh, you know, a surgical procedure is invasive, it, you know, there's all sorts of stuff uh, that that goes with any kind of surgical procedure, period. Even a fairly benign surgical procedure, there's still some, there's invas- invasive mm-hmm. things going on, blah, blah, blah. Taking a pill doesn't sound nearly as risky, and it doesn't sound nearly as, as, as painful, quite frankly, um, and it's more private. Why Definitely is it that private. in our country, if you have an abortion, chances are very, very great that you're going to have the invasive surgical procedure in order to have it? Why well, do no we have longer, that as though. a standard? No of longer. Care? I have to say, it's not the, the really? picture you're drawing is not the current picture. One in three women who has an abortion is having it with pills. It's in the health system, and 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 so an early abortion. And and I think it's growing. I think people. Two big states have made it almost impossible to do abortion with pills, Texas and Ohio, because of their legislation. Mm-hmm. So those states, women are really, they have really no choice but to have surgical abortion. Um, but so why? I, 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 I don't mean, that think sounds that very punitive to me. It, it, it sounds very punitive. We have well, two why? options why? here. Because One those legislators are trying bad. to get rid of abortion. They're trying to reverse Roe v. Wade on the ground, right? They, they're not w- willing to try to reverse it in the courts. They just want to make it de facto no abortions. Anyway. Yeah, I agree with that. I really think this is just, you know, um, every opportunity that they can use to, you know, push us further, further away from the victory of Roe v. Wade, but that's what they're trying to do. I also think, so I think it's a political issue. I also think it's a medical industrial complex issue, too, um, where, like um 
like we just heard, right, like, you know, most of the abortions in this country are done with the pill, but you have to go through a medical service, whether it's a clinic, whether it's your health care provider, whomever, to get that for you, right? And so we also really try to think about all the different layers to this. And so if women, if we are moving to a place, or if we could try if we're trying to imagine a place where women are actually able to do that for themselves that doesn't necessarily always make our medical industrial complex as they call it very happy right because that's also taking money away and i'm not saying that all doctors are are down you know, for just the money. Like, a lot, I believe a lot of doctors do this work because they genuinely want to help people. But at the end of the day, pharmaceutical companies and everybody else is all tied up in this too, right? So, it, again, this this is where, this is why the work that we do, we, we use this intersectional framework because yeah. we can't just look at it from, like, that single-issue lens. And we have to look at all the players, right, that are really a part of what's happening here. And so if, we, if we're having this conversation um, out, you know, a without having, like, medical providers and service providers at the table and also getting them on board with this, then we're also, you right. know, looking at some potential barriers that are going to be coming into play, right. you have to. That's right. You have to deal with the medical, the medical people who are controlling the situation now because otherwise they'll be very um, difficult and, and, and kind of pretend that, that it's much more dangerous than it is and that women will die by the dozens if they do it themselves um, and that, you know, and, and, and so kind of reinforcing their own centrality in the issue and then the need for doctors. But the fact is there probably isn't a need for doctors in the very early weeks of, of gestation. But I do want to say one other thing that I think we have to take into account here and that this sort of war on women type stuff is not just about abortion. Women who are pregnant and delivering babies have also ended up in jail. Oh, yeah. And that's it's the same issue, but it's just, just yep. a little different in the sense that women are not allowed control over their own bodies when they're pregnant. And that's mm-hmm. a problem we have. And people, very few people have articulated that way. One of the groups that's working on that is the National Advocates for Pregnant Women, who have really had oh, yeah. this perspective. And, and, they're, and they're on to something extremely important, that we, we have to begin to connect the dots here. Because the reason that this is also problematic is that women are not accorded their due rights when they're pregnant. And people mm-hmm. think they can they can use women, do things to women when they're pregnant that they would never think they could do otherwise. You know, no one can arrest you in your home, it's bring you to you a hospital, and take often, off your leg. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm often astounded at people in public restaurants who uh, feel that they have a right to go over to a complete strange woman if she's pregnant and has a glass of wine huh. and and yeah. preach at that yeah. woman. Yeah. And I think that most people are aware that it's not great to drink to excess when you're pregnant, but I think recent studies have shown that a glass of wine here or there is not likely to to hurt your fetus. Exactly, exactly. And you don't know, as a stranger, whether that woman is the, the only glass of wine she's ever had in nine months, or, you know, you just don't know. And yet I am constantly astounded at how many people feel that it's their right and their obligation to go lecture that woman about having a glass of wine in that a restaurant. That would be strange. And it's also... It, it, oh, no. Also... I'm sorry. Go please. Go ahead. Monica, yeah? No, I was just going to just say another... that, Monica? Just, just ha- I've seen that, and I've also just experienced some very dear friends of mine in Minneapolis um, queer family, black lesbians, amazing family, beautiful daughter. They're, they, you know, they're out shopping one day and they're trying to purchase a toy for the child. They put her on the toy in the store. She kind of falls off the toy. Didn't cry. Babies fall all the time. They're about to walk out of the store. They are followed out of the store by police officers saying that a citizen called the police to say that their child, you know, suffered a violent fall and that they did not take care of their child. Absolutely insane, right? And so these mothers have to go through this legal process of, like, clearing themselves and letting them know, like, who they are, right? One's a professor and one's, like, a big-time researcher. Like, I mean, these are very amazing people, right? But just because someone saw something and felt that it was their moral obligation to take care of a child that you don't even know, you don't even know the fullness, right, you know, of what families are dealing with. So, I mean, it's just another story to just reiterate, like, this, 
um, what we're calling a sister song, like the war on mothers, right? <laughs> the war on pregnant exactly. women, like the war on women. Like it is absolutely insane. It just drives me crazy every single day. <laughs> well, it's almost like if you're pregnant or a mother, you're public property. And yes. you don't mm-hmm. have to, uh, you know, you 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 don't you're not accountable to your God or whatever. You're accountable to me, neighborhood citizen. You know, <laughs> and, yes. And and I have a vested interest in you. Um, I, I I don't know where that comes from. Um, have, have you seen that, Beverly? Am I exaggerating? I um, I think it's true, but I I think well in part I think I, I would say that I think part of it comes from now an increased permissiveness to in to look out for what other people are doing, and that has to do with the sort of the security state that we have, you know, because since 9-11, yeah. you know, everybody should spy on everybody else, so there's a little bit of that. Yes. But yeah. I do think that it's a deeply rooted thing in some ways that has to be has to have limits, but it, it's a real, I mean, children literally are the continuation of the species, and children mm-hmm. have always been socially important. And I think people have always done that, like tell women that, oh, your your child needs a hat, it's cold out, or things like that. It's always been permissible in this weird way that people could comment on other people's child rearing or choices mm-hmm. for their children. And so I think it's, I, 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 I dislike it, and I certainly, when it's out of bounds, I think we should stop it. But I have a little bit of uh, kind of sympathy for the fact that that society does take an interest in its children. Now, people can be stupid and wrongheaded, like this thing with wine. No, by the time I can see that you're pregnant, it can't probably do anything. It's before that that's going to be make a difference how much yeah. you drink. So, I mean, the whole thing is really silly. But, uh, yeah, people sometimes people do it out of decent motives and sometimes out of, I guess you'd call indecent motives. And so, you know, I, I think it's there and we should call it out when it gets over the line. So you know? do we come by this notion that of, of policing women's bodies, um, uh, you know, from from a natural, you know, continuation of the species kind of motivation? Is that what I, we're it could saying? Be that, it could be that there's been some justification for that. And women have had special privileges when they're pregnant sometimes in, in terms of, you know, work or, you know. But sometimes it's become patronizing, patriarchal, and and limits women's freedoms in unjustified ways. So there's a tension between women's personal autonomy and women's own rights and this other thing that's out there. But I think lately we've come to realize that women are people, and they shouldn't have restrictions (laughs) on their rights. Oh, my gosh, stop the presses. Stop the presses, right? So we we need to say what is... You know, what is the corollary of that? The corollary of that is that probably the best judge of what's right for that woman, not that she'll never make a mistake, but the best possible judge is that woman, you know? Yeah, and, exactly. And, that's, and exactly. that, you know, it, you get into this uh, other kind of um, patriarchal deciding for women, and those people make mistakes too. Judges are not perfect. Doctors oh, are not perfect. Re- policemen are not perfect, whatever. So why not leave it to yeah. the women? Uh, so I, that's where I come out on it. But I, you know, I think that there's this is a, a discussion we're having in society. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, Monica, I want to get back to you. Um, <laughs> do you? How do you see this? Is this just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse um, uh, in places like Georgia? Um, do you see a trend? Yeah you know, opposing this kind of, I mean, I took some, when I was reading up about this and I saw that there was a prominent anti-abortion group that actually came forward and said, why did you arrest this woman? We've never seen anything like this before. I took heart mm-hmm. from that. Am I just you know, Pollyanna here or are you seeing any kind no. of trend where people are starting to say enough already, people? No, so... I do think the issue is going to continue to grow. I do, um, because I just feel like we are in a period of time where we're going to see all kinds of craziness um, continue to grow, unfortunately. Um, but what I do know is that there are many folks who are starting to focus um, on this issue um, and really working to um, implement uh, response, like rapid response, 
to these types of issues. So, you know, for this issue that's happening in Georgia specifically, um, we are submit. We actually have a petition that's going out on Monday um, that. Sister Song in partnership with National Advocates for Pregnant Women and RH Reality Check, where we're, you know, asking folks all across the country, sign up, say say no. Like, we're asking that the DA in Albany drop all charges. I mean, thank you for dropping the malice murder charge, but no, we don't want a partial victory. We want full victory, right? And we want full justice for Ms. Jones. And so, there's a petition that anybody, all folks around the country, around the world, hopefully will sign so we can take these signatures um, to the district attorney in Albany and say, no, that we have a collective voice around this country that any time, any type of um, legislation, any type of ridiculous, you know, uh, uh, prosecution comes out against women of color and women of general and women in general in this country, that you are going to hear our voices about it, right? And you are going to know that this is not something that we're going to let go lightly. Like we see this type of direct action mobilization response happening, um, Black Lives Matter. Like, you know, that's a huge example of just like what it looks like to continue to put pressure, you know, on cities, on governments, on states, right, to do right by the people, right? And it's, do I right for the people? But I also think in terms of like the anti-choice community, um, they we actually had to call them out, right? Because the anti-choice community have always said, even though they're you know diabolically against you know abortion, that they are not about prosecuting women, prosecuting mothers. So this is actually one of those interesting points of synergy, <laughs> as, yeah. as we can say, you know, between the anti-choice and pro-choice, mm-hmm. pro-woman community. Um, yep. But I think it's necessary right now. And, and you know, I was just on a panel with, like, one of our um, opponents, like Ryan Bomberger, for instance, and I was just like, yeah, there are things that we're just not going to agree on. That's okay. But we see what's happening to women in general in this country. So if at the end of the day our both of our foundations say that we are here for the human rights of women, at some point we're going to have to connect. And I think that's what we're starting to see in this issue around the over-policing and over-criminalizing of women in this country. I agree with that. I agree with that a lot. And I think, yeah, and I think that's a way forward, important and good. Um, But the other thing I think we have to think about, and I think Monica mentioned this before, people have votes. And DAs, Mm -hmm. a lot of them, are elected. And I think we have to start (laughs) to say, if you do this, we're going to make sure you lose your next election at the local, local level. And I think this was done in in North Dakota. I think uh, they've done that to some of their state legislators. They've really mobilized and gotten some of them to lose their primaries. And I think we should start doing it to these DAs. I agree. I think that's a very good point. And I also think many areas judges are elected. Mm-hmm. And judges mm-hmm. make decisions in this area all the time. It doesn't happen to be in the news this week, but uh, mm-hmm. a, a judge decided to send that 33-year-old Indiana woman to jail for 20 years. You yeah, know, really. judges yeah. are also elected. And so I think it behooves us as women to become aware um, that that we are not powerless. We might be powerless in a particular situation, but we're not powerless in general when it comes to being able to take action in some of these things. And as we said before, you know, this issue is a political issue. You know, it's all sorts of issues, but it's Mm -hmm. also a political Mm -hmm. issue. And there are political solutions to problems. So thank you for pointing that out, Beverly. Ladies, I I can't believe that our time is almost over. I I, I just, this has been such a fascinating discussion. I have learned a great deal, and I really thank both of you for taking your time out to to explore this topic. And uh, what I'm leaving this conversation with is the fact that, you know, that whole body sovereignty that Rita talked about, the idea of doing it for yourself, um, that as a woman, that's something that I think we really, really need to look at, not only in the abortion issue, but in all sorts of issues when it comes to our health and and, uh, uh, family and, and social situations. Do you agree? Yeah, sure. I think that that Absolutely. would be healthy. Yeah, yeah, good. Absolutely. Uh, Monica, we're almost out of time. Do you have a website real quickly that you could give us for Sister Song? Absolutely. Our website is www.sistersong.net. 
please please stay connected with us and we'll stay connected with you. Again, we also have a petition going out to um, the District Attorney Edwards in Albany to drop all charges and not to try to put any more charges on Ms. Jones. And you can find that petition on our reality check. Thank you. Monica, Beverly, real quick, uh, uh, is there any uh, political action or, or public comment that you would like at a website or a contact information? Well, our, we're a technical organization. We have technical information so, on our website. We even have a, a little piece on why women shouldn't admit that they've taken the drug if they're ever asked you know, by a police officer um, and how that it's impossible to find it in her blood if if Great. If and and you that. have your website real quick. Yeah, www.genuity, G-Y-N-U-I-T-Y, dot org. Thank you, ladies. I end our show with a quote. I do that every week. And this week um, I'm uh, ending it with a quote from Jean Nightich. It's choice, not chance, that determines your destiny. Thank you for joining us. Three Women, Three Ways. Next week, we're going to be talking about the status of feminism in the world, and we're going to have Rob Oaken from Voice Mail Magazine and Rita Henley Jensen from Women's E-News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.